This week on The Zone of Truth, Griff and I welcome on Brooks and Emily for a sensory experience unlike any other. We're putting pallets to the test in new segment, The Campbell's Scientific Method, a taste test extravaganza to delight the senses. And of course, answer some listener questions. I'm your host, Steve, in the studio with your GM and my co-host, Griffin. Roll a will save. You're in the zone of truth. And we're back. Yep, we're back. I'm starting to wonder if this is the zone of truth with these segments, Steve. Well, <laughs> how did how did this segment come up? Okay. Well, the the segment in general, the segment name. I mean, both. The name is egregious, but that's not even the full name. Yeah, we'll get I know to that later. We'll get there later. But the segment was actually kind of a joke idea that I think it maybe was Haley's idea. Where she was like, we know Emily has this experience professionally, and we want to put Emily to the test and Brooks to the test, and that's good content. <laughs> so I signed off on that immediately. It's going to be great. This is going to go off without a hitch. This is one of those episodes that we do like two or three times a year that have very little TTRPG <laughs> content. Some would say almost non-existent, but uh, they're the ones that we look forward to the most. We can all agree. I, I won't speak for any listeners. All right, good. Um, I'm not drinking anything right now because we have a lot to try. Are you, Griffin? Nope, just drinking water. All right. Well, on that note, let's introduce our guests. Welcome to the show, Brooks and Emily. Hello. Glad uh, to have you. Thanks for having me. So I've got water, but to answer your question on what am I drinking, a kitty paw a uh, tropical heat wave so yeah i'm gonna be able to double cleanse my mouth so immediately there's issues with this rating system that's gonna happen because we're talking in the car and emily what was your professional advice about doing taste testing do not eat or drink anything 30 minutes before doing the taste test so that you have a clean palate and that is the opposite (laughs) (laughs) and i heard that advice but it's not necessary i've got superior palate Already? So, yeah. This one has slight hints of passion fruit and guava. (laughs) You're reading off the cans. (laughs) That's what they want you to think. Yeah, so um, I think we know where we're going with this. Yes, we all do. All right. Well, thank you both for being on. What's been going on in your lives lately? It's been a minute since either of you have been on Zone of Truth. So, Brooks, what have you been into lately? Well, it has been getting a little bit colder outside. Haven't been able to play golf quite as much as I would like. Like to stick to that, like, uh, I don't know, 40 degrees and above mm-hmm. type of range. I could do freezing, but anything below 32, absolutely not. So, with that inside, a bit more uh, driving me towards uh, video games. I am uh, replaying Witcher uh, Wild Hunt again, so. I am very much so enjoying that. Good times, my dude. Good times. How about you, Emily? What's been keeping you busy? I've also been spending more time inside as it's been getting colder. Uh, I've been watching the new Wheel of Time series that's Mm -hmm. come out. I've read three and a half of the books very slowly. I've been going through them, so 
been enough time that I can actually enjoy the series so far. So that's been a lot of fun. And at time of recording, I think only a few episodes have dropped, right? How, how does it hold up? I haven't read the books or have watched the show yet. I mean, I've already noticed, I believe at this point there are four episodes out. They have changed some things from how they were in the books, but I mean, you have to. It's not like it's going to be an exact copy of what happened in the books but so far I've been enjoying it it's a high fantasy adventure with a lot of world building which is what I really enjoy in books so I also enjoy it in TV shows nice nice and I know we were talking a little while ago you rented Hades from the library how far have you gotten so I've reached the third level, um, but I haven't reached the boss yet. I've only cleared the first two bosses. I'm still unlocking new weapons. I actually just unlocked the gun. I haven't done a playthrough with it yet, but I've been having a lot of fun, even though I'm not very good at the game, but (laughs) it's fun because I just keep keep trying. I'll probably catch some heat on the boards for this, but, but the gun is my favorite weapon. I really like it. You can do some cool stuff with it. I mean, you were the guy that early game was like, I'm only using the bow. Only using the bow. I'm I'm ranged all day. Oh, I had trouble with the bow. I like the shield because I can just spam the special attack when it bounces off of everything. Mm-hmm. Great for someone with uh, not good aim or coordination. <laughs> Does the Captain America for you? Yes. Nice. How about you, Griffin? I have also been playing video games. Finally, Pokemon Brilliant Diamond came out, so I've been playing that a ton. And... What I found went with that really well is that I didn't know Netflix had done this. They must have bought some sort of rights to Pokemon because they've released two Netflix original series now that are the Pokemon anime. Really? Yeah. Pokemon Journeys and Pokemon Master Journeys. And I started watching that while we were playing, while Haley and I started playing the remake games that we're playing. And it's really good. Usually a Pokemon anime season is all in one region because they follow the games or Mm -hmm. they used to. But this is like them going back to every old region. So it's fun to listen to because you're like, oh, yeah, that's Gen 4. Like they're doing Gen 4 stuff. Oh, wow. They're okay. They're back in Gen 2. So it's kind of interesting. And it kind of makes the makes the series feel a little bit like more fleshed out it's always weird when they follow it with a game like they follow a game with the anime and they're like siloed to not all of the pokemon they're siloed to just the pokemon in that region just like showing off the current release where this is like hey we know this entire world exists Mm -hmm. let's take the stuff that we like from each little part of it yep so we've been watching that and then started watching a new anime called eden zero which is like this science fantasy okay and the main character is is like adopted by robots and starts the anime living on a world that is only robots and he's adopted by this person called the Demon King who is a robot and all of the robots are dying for whatever reason so he like outlives the robots and goes on this space adventure because he becomes the new Demon King so he's like I guess, follow in in his uh, adoptive parents' footsteps. But he's a human. And they have, like, Xenogear shit, so they have, Mm -hmm. like, some fusion of magic and tech, like, infused in all of the powerful people in this setting. 
and it's pretty cool. That rocks, man. What did you say? What that was on? Netflix. Netflix. Well. Yeah. That sounds really cool. I might have to check that out. Also a Netflix original. Nice. Well, as for me, I never have been much of a 007 fan, but I had a good buddy in town last weekend, my boy Nick, and he wanted to see the new 007 movie. So I'm like, oh, fine. Okay, I'll go see it. And it rocked. It was really, really good. I had seen the previous Daniel Craig ones, and this is the last Daniel Craig one. And now I'm going back and rewatching them. And I'm really, really appreciating them. I'm most of the way through Skyfall right now. I think the problem for me was that they came out about three or four years apart each. And by the time a new one came out, I would want to see it because it's like a fun action movie. I can like eat popcorn during and just have a good time. But I would have forgotten everything that took place beforehand. So it was just like lost the entire time and just like kind of turned my brain off and watched a spy kill other people. And that was pretty much my level of enjoyment. But going back through them, I'm really appreciating them a lot. And uh, yeah, I would suggest people do that. Like Casino Royale, that movie fucking slaps. Quantum Solace, well, well, that movie doesn't. Um, and then Skyfall is just incredible. I, I, I think that one might be my favorite. I'm going to watch Spectre probably this weekend. But yeah, really, really fun. I have a lot more respect for the Daniel Craig Bond movies now that I'm revisiting them close together. And then there's an album that came out this week. The lead singer of The Wonder Years and Aaron West and the Roaring Twenties is a gentleman called Dan Campbell, and he put out a solo record. And it's a it's an acoustic record. It's very, very soft songs, very chill. It's kind of weird. It's this concept album that over the last couple years, he had people write him stories about their relationships and special people in their lives and stuff. And so he puts out this record called Other People's Lives that are uh, 10 different songs about the, you know, 10 different people. And it's really interesting. Each one of this is like a little microcosm of a a story of a relationship or a, a loved one of somebody else's that's passed on. It's a really sweet, nice record. And it just makes me happy. It's very good. I'd suggest people check that out. It's a good time. But folks, it is now time that everyone's been waiting for. The Campbell Scientific Method, a taste test extravaganza to delight the senses, colon, root canal slash we all float down here edition. We're tasting root beer today. <laughs> that was the best way to portray that. <laughs> Colin, (laughs) I got to get all the the, uh, punctuation in there. Well, how many words is this one? It's like 20 word title. About 15 too many. (laughs) (laughs) It's a difficult thing to convey that we're going to be taste testing root beer. The Campbell's Scientific Method, colon, root beer. Done. All right. Yeah, that's a little (laughs) bit more succinct, I guess. No, I think it's going to portray exactly how complex flavors that we're going to be describing. We did. Yeah, we certainly needed a Stephen King's It reference in the title (laughs) to get that. (laughs) The second pun in the title. Complexity is off the charts here. All right. Well, I can see (laughs) that uh, I need to raise the spirits of the room a little bit. So I'm going to start things off with a joke. Oh, boy. Glad it's written down so I didn't spoil myself. All right. Well, don't don't look at the punchline. <laughs> How do you turn root beer into regular beer? Put it in a square glass. Oh, oh, that's I actually went looking for root beer puns online, and 
the first hit on Google was 30 root beer puns that are hilarious or something like that. One of those like sort of listicles. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 17 of the 30 were plays on that joke. I counted them. It was a broken list. <laughs> I am thankful for whoever uh, made that list. Real root beer fans like all of us here. Mm-hmm. I mean, and to be honest, I've probably been uh, one of other five uh, visits to that site total, I'm guessing. And, and you were the other and, four, right? Yeah. <laughs> yep. All right. I do want to kind of go around the room real quick before we dive into this. Brooks, what's your relationship with root beer? You, you drink it regularly? You like it? Dislike it? Um, it's a it's a sexy little treat. Um, I will really only have it when really feeling feeling crazy. Never mind. We can keep the it reference in if we can take that out. <laughs> Uh, Emily, how do you feel about Can you top a sexy little treat? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I enjoy root beer. I would say my favorite way to consume it is with ice cream, having a root beer float. Mm. We all float down here indeed. (laughs) Griffin, how do you like root beer? (laughs) This conversation feels like a root canal. (laughs) (laughs) Also in the title. Yep. Uh, I, I like root beer fine. I pretty much exclusively drink it with alcohol, though. So, yeah, this year I've started to get a little bit more into root beer. I, I've stayed away from sugary sodas for a long time, and now I have been starting to like treat myself every once and again with one. It's just a nice indulgence. So, the reason that we're tasting root beer, people might be a little confused here. What we're doing is actually putting legitimate scientific practice to test. And the reason we're doing that is because we have an expert on the HLP in sensory tasting, I guess. So, Emily, um, you have some professional training in taste testing, correct? That is correct. Through work, Mm -hmm. I've been receiving training to become a descriptive panelist specifically for the products that my company makes so I can taste them and evaluate them with our internal sensory group. But a lot of what I've been learning in the training is applicable to all foods. So it's been a, a really fun training that I've received through work. Nice. That, that is a, a really cool little like side piece of working for the company that you work for. You get this interesting, different training. Like my company doesn't do taste testing, which is ridiculous. But yeah, uh, but you get to spend some extra time learning what it's like to work in the distribution center instead of mm. just. <laughs> I sure do. Yeah, so you're getting a little side training too. A little side training. The hospital on, process. On Black Friday and Black Monday. You know, Black, real convenient. Cyber Monday. Uh, Cyber <laughs> Monday. You know, I, I, my brain is fried. All right, uh, Emily, how close are you to actually completing that training? I only have a few more weeks, and I'll be taking my final exam. I've been told I'll get a little certificate uh, when I graduate. All right. Uh, just remind me when you do, and we'll post that on the socials. Is the food, uh, like, noticeably <laughs> difficult in the final exam? Great question. Uh, is it like, oh, this is a trickier. <laughs> this, is a, this is a tough taste. This is what separates the A students from the rest. I actually don't know what food I'll be given for the final. From my understanding of the final, some of it is, like, basic taste solutions where we have to pick apart the different tastes and rate their intensities. There's aromas that we smell and have to identify. Part of it is profiling a food product, but Mm -hmm. who knows what what I'll be given. 
Do you ever like sit down for sensory training and know right away that, oh, this is going to be an easy one or this is one that's going to be a hard one? I'm thinking like today we have root beer, which has a bunch of different flavors that make up root beer. It's surprisingly complex. I looked that up online. There's a there's a lot of different flavors that go into it. But then maybe versus like like a seven up or a Sprite that literally is just like lemon and lime. It's a little in my mind, that's a little less complex. What are your thoughts? Yeah, there are definitely food products that have uh, a lot more complexity in their flavor profile. And so you do have to take a little bit more time to focus on the different attributes so that you can give them a proper score. Mm -hmm. So some things that are very simple, like if you're doing canned green beans, fairly straightforward, there's not a lot going on. But then once you get into sodas, you know, you're adding a a layer of complexity and then you get into something really complex like whiskeys and cheesecakes and wine and there's just so much going on it's really difficult to pull apart all those different components Hmm. that makes a lot of sense um what does this sensory training actually look like so really anyone who can smell and taste can receive the sensory training and from what i've been told like graduate at the end so it's not something where you have to be like born a super taster to Hmm. undergo I know I don't have the What's best. What's a super taster, though? Oh, mm. so they're sitting next to one. <laughs> Steve, <laughs> well, well, he's, you're the only person he's not sitting you're, you're next literally to. Literally, the only person I'm not by. Maybe I was referring to Emily, but certainly I, I take fall that into as that Steve. category. I'm gonna take that as Steve. <laughs> Hell yeah! Uh, so there are people that are particularly sensitive to picking up certain flavors, like bitterness compounds. You can be like a taster or non-taster for like certain the bitterness in uh, like high intensity sweeteners so like different people can perceive different tastes are people that are like that specifically picky eaters sometimes that is the case I think there's like a, a bitterness compound in some vegetables like broccoli some people can taste it some people can't so if you taste that bitterness compound then you're less likely to like eating those vegetables because most people don't like bitter. Mm-hmm. So that definitely plays a role. So it's not necessarily a good thing to be a super taster. Not necessarily. Depends on what. Unless you go into this specific line of work, there's no benefit, it sounds like. Yeah. Yeah. But anyone with regular tasting or even the super tasters, you can be trained to pick up and measure different attributes. It just takes time to start to identify be able to kind of piece them apart so you can kind of figure out all the different components and then get calibrated to measuring their intensity. And that's a huge part of the training is just learning how all of us can be on the same page for rating the intensities. So it's a very consistent process. The main point of this training is to use humans as an instrument to objectively measure these sensory outcomes. Human noses and our taste is extremely sensitive, much more than what you can use like a scientific instrument for. So we're essentially training humans to create that very reproducible results. You are definitely sitting at a table with three finely tuned instruments <laughs> you for can. taste. I was born calibrated. Well, you're throwing off your calibration right now with your drink. <laughs> well, he's recalibrated. Got built in, he's got a built-in. I can in recalibrate at any time. 
really wow. just self-calibration process. It's quite simple, but you know, <laughs> only super tasters can do that. All right. That All right. explains why Brooks is notoriously picky when he's <laughs> digging into food. Mm-hmm. Notoriously is real picky eater. He loves those sensations. All right, before we get into the actual taste test and what, what we're actually going to be doing here today, do you have any fun, memorable moments from your training? Any like weird stuff that you've had to taste or strange reactions you weren't expecting? Oh, yeah. I mean, we've had to taste. We tasted some gross stuff. But the one that really stood out to me was when we were comparing full sugar and sugar-free versions of different food products. Mm -hmm. And one of them was Hershey's chocolate syrup, like you add to milk. One was just regular. The other was their sugar-free variety. And oh boy, that sugar-free variety was such a trip. If you had given it to me and not told me that it was chocolate syrup, I would have thought that you had like made a horrible concoction it was not like not okay to eat it was horribly sour and bitter did not taste like chocolate at all in the end our group decided it tasted like an old man stuck his cigar ashes into a cup of malort that is what it tasted like but that's on shelves it was so bad you're not supposed to be eating it plain and so we were really hoping that milk carries it because it was mm. off. Oh, you guys didn't give that a test? You didn't? No, we didn't put it in with milk. We just had it plain. I mean, who doesn't take it straight from the bottle, though? I don't know. I think I got to do it. Yeah. But the we, we had it. Only if you're adding peppermint schnapps afterwards. <laughs> the full sugar variety, perfectly fine. A little bitter, but tasted like chocolate but not when you remove that sugar. It mm. was rough. Sounds brutal. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, so here's what we are tasting today. We have five different root beers or root beer adjacent things that we're going to be tasting. We got a big K root beer. Got that at Kroger. Two liters for 89 cents. <laughs> got an A&W root beer. I just, had to, I just gotta let the people know where the value is. Got <laughs> 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 at Kroger. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we have an A&W root beer. That's our second one. Our third one's going to be Boylan's Bottling Company root beer. It's made with cane sugar. I got high hopes for that one. Then we got Not Your Father's root beer, because it's the HLP. And then Old Smoky root beer whiskey to bring it home. So, how is this going to work? Well, we brought Brooks on to uh, kind of spice things up a little bit. He's a little punchy today. You can, you can hear him. But essentially... <laughs> What we're going to do is do a round where all four of us taste these different root beers and we're going to be judging them on like in every man's criteria, right? That Brooks has developed and has not shared with us yet. Oh man, the way he described root beer already, I'm a little upscared for this sexy little treat. Yes, I'm, I'm completely blind to how we are going to be rating these. Then we are going to use Emily's actually scientific method and we're going to walk through that for each one. All right, so let's first talk about the Brooks method. Brooks, what are we going to be rating these root beers on? Yeah, so my training um, has consisted of really just uh, everything that Emily said, except self-taught. So just got to throw that out there for my credentials. Um, (laughs) Everything and more. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. For the, for the most part, we're just gonna go bad, okay, and good. You know, that's fuck. Come on, that's all I got. I think that it is gonna be the most clear to everyone listening in. I mean, just because my my training just is so much so uh, surpasses Emily's that it's it's uh, tough to explain. Well, all right. Mm-hmm. I guess we're gonna mm-hmm. be using this. The bad, okay, good. The scale. bad, okay, good. Bad, okay, scale. good. All right, I'm cracking open this uh, this Kroger's Big K root beer. Ooh, yeah. Mm. Now, I, I did see the uh, the label there. I believe it says we're, we're getting all the fun. I, I'm hoping I get some silky notes in this. Uh, if I get extra silkiness, I'll put that. That at least gets an okay. Do you mm. want me to leave the room for this part so I'm not biased by Brooks's amazing scale? Do you think you're really going to be biased <laughs> by that scale? I think, I think no. that everyone is concerned about that, but I, I think we're going to be able to, to fight through it. All right, first sample has been poured. Let's go ahead and taste this. Mm. Okay. What do y'all think? It's just not very sweet. It's got plenty of I guess root taste, but it's not. It's <laughs> There's plenty of dirt in that root beer. <laughs> <laughs> Certainly not overly uh, rooty here. So, <laughs> yeah, we're gonna, gonna, give, <laughs> give that, I'm gonna give that an okay. Should, should we be feeling Emily's? She does. I agree too. with uh, that. Yeah, let's let's just do this mm-hmm. now. All right, Emily, uh, talk us through the criteria that we're gonna be grading this on. Yeah. So for a quick analysis of multiple products one of the best ways um, i've learned to do that is through a profile attribute analysis so in this analysis we're taking the product and i have picked certain criteria that we're going to be ranking so for all the products we'll be looking at two integrative attributes balance and fullness so balance is how well the flavors come together and combine to make like one uniform product. There's like harmony in the flavors. Fullness is how robust and complex the product actually is. So like watery would be low on the scale. Something like a whiskey would be high on the scale. Then because this is root beer, we're going to be looking at some individual attributes. So we're looking at wintergreen, which is the mint flavor in root beer. I'm done. (laughs) thanks vanilla which kind of gives it a little bit of that warmth and then a lot of root beers have some sort of a black licorice taste to them and then there's also an other category for anything else that sticks out in the product and for each of these categories we are going to be using a seven point scale so one means none so for wintergreen if you did not taste any mint in the product or wintergreen mint you would select one then it goes up from there to very slight 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 to moderate 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 to strong and then strong so like the anchor points are slight moderate and strong and then it fills in in between mm-hmm. I got that. any questions it's pretty straightforward mm-hmm. all right should we talk about our results then well let's talk about our results on the all right. I gave it an okay. I also gave it an okay. Same here. Nice. I gave it an okay as a consumer. 
not mm. as a, a profiler. See, yeah, and that's well, it's it's, every man. Yes, and that's interesting because on your scale, I gave it about a four on balance. Although that's probably pretty high. Uh, fullness, I gave it a two. Mm. Wintergreen three. Vanilla mm. two. Black licorice five. And then I gave other seven because it's two liters for eighty nine cents, and that's a really good that bargain. That's a great point. <laughs> I'm not too far off of you, except for in balance. I put a two for balance, a three for mm. fullness, four for wintergreen, two for vanilla, five for black licorice. Oh, yeah. I got the three for balance. So between you guys, uh, one for fullness. Wait, you want a little fullness and you drink that whole cup? I do. I do want a little fullness. Uh, four on the wintergreen, two on the vanilla, four on the black licorice, and four on the other. Because uh, I don't know. It sounds like I, the boys were pretty calibrated. Yeah, pretty yeah. Really calibrated. We're, we're, we're locked oh, yeah. in on this. For yeah. sure, for sure. We, we're on the same page. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Let, let's see how we stack up then. <laughs> oh, yeah. This will be great. This will be great. All right. So for balance and fullness, I gave it each a slight. I felt like the flavors kind of stuck out and it really tastes a little watered down. Like there isn't a lot of complexity mm-hmm. there. What number yep. is that? That's a three. Yeah. Okay. So that was a two and a three. It has a four. So just for reference, a, a standard we used in the training for moderate balance and fullness is Coca-Cola. So Coca-Cola is a four. Yep. Four and four. Yep. Mm-hmm. I think we knew that. That's actually mm-hmm. good to know in terms of specifically drinking soda. Yes. I, I mm-hmm. don't drink Coke, so I don't know. Okay. Well, maybe make it your sexy little <laughs> treat one of these times. Yeah. Maybe I'll have to, yeah. <laughs> for wintergreen, I gave it a four. Mm-hmm. So that's slight to moderate, vanilla, slight, black licorice, slight to moderate, and then mm-hmm. other, slight to moderate. I thought it was very mm-hmm. drying. Mm-hmm. My mouth that's was very what dry I was gonna, it. Sure. I was thinking about making my other, like how silky it was, and it wasn't. I feel like that's something I look for in a root beer. I want it to be... <laughs> Yeah, there's definitely some bitter in there as well, and it's very drying, which is fairly common for soda to be drying, but my mouth is very dry afterwards, (laughs) and it does leave kind of a bitter aftertaste. All right, well, I think that was a great start. I'm going to be pouring the A&W here. This is our sample number two. This time, I will not slug it in one gulp. Yeah. Yeah, it's best to take small sips and focus on certain attributes at a time so that you can really taste each flavor. Yeah, that's what I do every time too. I'm I guess surprised that I didn't do that and came close. <laughs> All right, well let's uh, go ahead and give this A&W a shot. Nearly spilled my kitty paw. <laughs> oh, you having it in between sips? <laughs> All right, I'm ready to talk about my results. Yeah, I am too. I was really hoping to be able to kind of sip this late at night while I'm in my jammies, but I don't think so. What? It's not, it's not a sexy little treat to Yeah, I, I wasn't going to sip mm, it in oh, my jammies. Oh, sure, sure. Yeah. Okay. Sorry, I didn't keep up with that. <laughs> and on the everyman scale, I gave this an okay. And I'll talk about my mm-hmm. expert opinion criteria now. Balance, I again, gave this a four. Fullness, I gave this a three. It was a hair watery for me. Wintergreen and vanilla, I gave it both fives. I felt like those flavors were a little bit more forward. The black licorice, I didn't get as much of, I don't think. So I dropped that to a three. And then 
On my other scale, I gave this a one because this is a pretty small bottle and this cost me $2.02. Oh, yeah, okay. I give it a good on the everyman scale. Okay. I think this is pretty much the bog standard of root beer. Mm-hmm. So if you like root beer, it's good. For balance, I gave it a four and fullness, I gave it a four. The wintergreen, I also gave it a four. Vanilla, I gave it a three. Black licorice, I gave it a four. And the silkiness, I actually gave it a five. I thought it was, compared to the other one, hmm. much silkier. Hmm. All right. I got a three on both balance and fullness. I really thought it wasn't anything too sharp in terms of flavor. So I gave that wintergreen one. Didn't get much of that. The vanilla, a four. Black licorice, a two. And other, a three. Very well balanced. Definitely flowed through the mouth a little bit better, mm. I would say. I would also comment a little bit on the, the carbonation. Seemed a bit finer on the, the carbonation aspect. And so that, I think, helped balance things out. All right, and our expert... All right. For balance, I thought this one was more balanced, so I gave it a four, but it wasn't quite up to the level of Coca-Cola, which I'll talk about at the end, why I think that. For fullness, I gave it a five. I thought this one did have, uh, was more complex. There was more going on, so that's a moderate complexity. The wintergreen note, I gave a five this time. I thought it was more minty. I still have that minty taste in my mouth right now. Vanilla, I also had higher at a four. And this vanilla note specifically was different from the first one. This one is more of a creamy vanilla, which definitely helps aid with that smooth aspect of this root beer. I did not get quite as much black licorice. So this one's a three for me, which is slight. And then in the other category, I gave this one a four. So slight to moderate for some like burning in my mouth, I think from the mint and the carbonation. And also I got a plasticky off note, which is why I rated the balance lower because that kind of throws off the flavor is because there's a plasticky note to it right at the end, which kind of is a little disappointing right at the end of the flavor. It isn't a plastic bottle. That is worthwhile to bring up. So was the last one. Everything from here on out. Yeah, but there's less plastic touch and root beer on that one, baby. That's a that's, fair that's point. It's a, a value-two leader. Mm, the 89 plastic, cents, yeah. yes. Is that a good point? I guess, yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's yeah. a great point. You I know think. what? I think that I think makes it's, sense. I think it's, we got this figured out. Yeah. All right. Next up, sample number three is this Boylan's Bottling Co. Root Beer made Boiling. with cane sugar, established 1891. Mm. Twist off cap. Oof. Take what you will Negative points for me. I only open uh, my root beer with with a bottle opener. Thank you. I'm really really excited to try this Boylands. You could open it with your teeth if you wanted to do the root canal part of the. Ooh yes <laughs> yes. I've also got here a cherry passion fruit kitty paw. Come on. Just adding complexity. All right, time for tasting. It's so interesting how different that is. I'm legitimately shocked, yes. So. Which makes my scale feel wonky for the other ones. I know. All right, I'm going to talk about my results. What actually tripped me up most was the everyman scale. Because I can't decide if I want to give this an okay or a good because it is so. Di- it's 
it's hard for me to compare this non-scientifically to the others because it's root beer. Yeah, but it's so different. Yeah, I was, I was, I struggled with that as well because it's, it's good for what it is. It's not yeah. good if I really wanted a root beer flavor. I don't think. I, I agree with that. I, I did err on the side of good. I think this is a, a good, sexy little treat. Mm-hmm. Is this something that I would like put ice cream in and have a root beer float? I don't think so. I don't think this is, I would drink this like I would traditionally drink a root beer. Anyway, balance and fullness, I gave it fives. I thought this was a little bit more of a developed product than what we've had before. Wintergreen, I had at a three. Vanilla right down the middle at a four. I thought the black licorice was very forward, so I gave that a seven. And then I think this cost me just under $2 for a bottle, which is a little bit high, but you know, it's cane sugar. I gave it a three. So we're we're pretty <laughs> similar, Steve. For balance, I had a five, and for fullness, I had a four. I also had a wintergreen at three. However, I thought the vanilla in this was stronger than the vanilla in the other two. Uh, I had that as a five, but I felt the same about that black licorice. It was the anise in it was really strong, so uh, that's a six. And then the silkiness, I thought this was even more silky, and I think it was because the carbonation was so subtle I think Mm, the the carbonation Mm -hmm. of the three this almost didn't feel carbonated Mm -hmm. which made it more silky on the mouthfeel yeah very fair scores what did you think Brooks Uh, well bring out the feathers and uh, tickle me silly because this one was great All right, well, uh, unfortunately, that's not on the everyman scale. It has to be bad, okay, or good. Your rule's not mine. Uh, All right, right, you you got me. Uh, This one's good. Um, I I really enjoyed it. Balance and fullness, a pair of sixes there. Wintergreen, I did catch a lot of it with four. Vanilla, I I will echo what you guys are saying. Lots of it. Gave that one a six. Black licorice, a five. I, I really did taste it. It was a good like black licorice that that's hard for me to say i I actually do agree with that i I found that pleasant where most of the time when black licorice uh hits me in the mouth i'm like yeah i'm not it it just comes up sharp and really just not not i feel like that was a part of the balance like the the balance being good made that because it's kind of like a mike and ike versus a regular piece of black licorice where the Mike and Ike, obviously that's a more artificial flavor, but having that vanilla be so strong with the black licorice kind of mutes the part of the black licorice that I think most people don't like. Exactly. And I didn't taste much else, so I gave it the other of two. Fair enough. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Emily, and your thoughts? I thought this one was okay. Mm. I was not a huge fan as a consumer. I thought the uh, balance was similar to the A&W, so I gave it a four. Fullness was a five on the upper edge of a five, but not enough to bump it all the way up to a six. Uh, The wintergreen, a little bit less than the A&W at a four. The vanilla also at a four. I thought they were pretty similar in intensities. The black licorice is where I deviated from all of you a little bit. Mm. So I don't like black licorice and I don't have it very much. So I did pick up some black licorice at a four, but the predominant note that threw off the balance for me um, was I actually tasted cinnamon. Like it was, I believe it is probably the the black licorice, but it was like a burning, warm you know spice. What? I and can, it was cinnamon. I can feel huh. that's that was in my head when I, I thought this kind of tasted like if you mixed uh, like an A&W with cheer wine. 
Hmm. I don't know if you've ever had that. I don't think so, no. It's kind of like a cinnamony soda. Yeah, I guess I wasn't really looking for cinnamon, but if cinnamon were a flavor to rate this on, I probably would have picked up notes of that because now that I'm thinking back on what I tasted, sure. That's actually why I didn't like it was I thought the cinnamon flavor was overpowering. I don't know if they actually add cinnamon in the product, but like the combination of flavors made me feel like I was drinking something with a lot of cinnamon and I didn't like that when I'm expecting root beer. Unfortunately, we'll never know. It's not called out on the bottle. We're going to give out the recipe for free. I mean, they could have like <laughs> ingredients. Do they have ingredients or do they just put spices? Uh, yes. Carbonated water, cane sugar, natural and artificial flavors, caramel color, sodium, benzoate, preserves freshness and citric acid. So, Oh, flavors. Who knows? Mm. You we, know might, we might have to censor that because people will uh, start replicating this recipe. You know what I, those you know, <laughs> I'm a little bit surprised on, and I didn't comment on it at all either, but if anyone tasted the difference between the cane sugar and like the root beer with cane sugar versus... Oh, I definitely ooh. picked up on it, just didn't say it. Okay, sure. Yeah. I don't know if I know the difference. I don't, I don't really either. I don't sugar. know if there's like a pronounced difference because it always seems like when something is made with it, they call it out. Yeah. I feel like it's sweeter. It's like a more vanilla sweetness rather than, I guess, plant-based. I think it would be easier to pick out if you used like the same recipe almost, but just... But with cane sugar. Yeah, just swapped out the cane sugar because there was a lot going Mm -hmm. on that was different in that root beer than in the others. Well, thanks, bud. You're welcome. All right, now I'm starting to pour the Not Your Fathers, and I'm getting a smell off this thing. Oh, get your schnoz in there? Hmm. I think think there's going to be a forward flavor, is all I'll say for right now. Mm. I certainly cleansed my palate with uh, what uh, water I had left, for sure. All right, folks, bottoms up. Sample four. Num num num. All right. Well. Yeah. <laughs> Instruments don't make faces or make disapproving noises. <laughs> yeah, shame on you. <laughs> <laughs> I was told that multiple times in training. <laughs> oh, oh, wow. Wow. Would you look at that? Hmm. I've got thoughts on this one. Yeah. Sure are thoughts. Thoughts are thoughts are thoughts. You never really notice how different the booze version is until you've been slapped in the face with the actual soda. (laughs) Yeah, it just went went wild with this one. All Um, right. Well, dear are your results in? Am I gonna color anything if I start talking about mine? Oh yeah. Tell me tell me about them them thoughts. All right. I gave this on the everyman scale a bad. My, this was my first bout of the night. I did not enjoy this. <laughs> For balance, I gave it a two because it sucked. For fullness, I gave it a three because I don't. Yeah, because it kind of sucked <laughs> as well. But it's not total. It's not like watery. Oh no, it, it's got a mouthfeel for sure. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe I should bump that up. But uh, wintergreen, I gave it a five, and then I stopped really uh, trying because I w- didn't like it vanilla and black licorice <laughs> i gave it both fours wow. other 
I have this at a one because I think it broke $10 for a six pack. I think it was like 15 or something. And that, I mean, yeah, $15 would be too much for 60 of these. All right. Um, my every man scale gave it the okay. I guess you're looking for uh, alcoholic root beer. You got it. So that's my thoughts on that. Because I don't know if you have any other choices. I'll either. Fair. That's kind of important when you're at the grocery store. But balance and fullness, not uh, not great there. Give it a one and a two. Wintergreen all the way up there at a five. Vanilla, couldn't find much with a three. Black licorice, it's still there uh, at five. Other at a one, not because I didn't taste anything else, but because I didn't want it anymore. <laughs> taking a lot of liberties with the scientific scale. Other is a large category. Yeah, you're the, so, you're the one that gave us other. It yeah. is. But you could almost call be... this your fault. Oh, man. All right, Griff, what, what, what do you got, buddy? I give it okay because I think same reasoning. As a consumer, if I want alcoholic root beer, that's what this is. Yep. And I'm paying the price of this getting me drunk for it to not be as good as regular root beer. I'm yep. sure. I, I'm sure. After three of these, this is just as good as A and W. I would say, if I had like two decent beers before this, this would taste really good. Yeah. Balance and fullness. I gave it threes uh, for the winter green. Gave it a four. The vanilla a two. I think that was the least prominent of any of the flavors in it. Black licorice. I gave it a five, and then for the other silkiness, I gave it a two. It wasn't silky, it stuck around. Mm-hmm. Pretty low on our other categories here. Emily, what do you got for us? Yeah. I thought this one was bad as a consumer. Right off the bat, it... I guess I will explain why through my scientific method, but I mm. I was not a fan. For balance, I gave this one a two. Um, I thought the really gross alcohol taste stuck out so much compared to the rest of the flavors. For fullness, I still gave it a four. I thought there were flavors in there, so it was complex. It wasn't like drinking watered-down juice. The flavors in there weren't good, but they were there. So that's fair. it has mm. a decently high fullness. For wintergreen, I could still taste some mint, so that's a four, light to moderate. Vanilla, I roped in vanilla and cream kind of together. So my vanilla cream note was also a four, a slight to moderate. For black licorice, I couldn't taste it as much as the others, but I wasn't sure if that was kind of masking, if the alcohol taste was masking the black licorice. So I only gave that a three. For my other category, the most prominent other flavor to me was the gross alcohol. So I gave that mm. one a six because that's, it's overpowering. It just tastes like gross alcohol with like a little bit of other spices mixed in. And I know this came in a glass bottle, but it tasted plasticky to me, like a little bit off, kind of fake tasting. Mm. I'm not sure if that was like the alcohol component or something else with how they stored their ingredients before they made it. But it, it had a lot of off notes Sweetener. to it. Sweetener, yeah, possibly. All right, I didn't want to color anybody's assessment of this beverage, Ooh. but there's a lot of color a lot of things daddy. on the bottle here. It's 5.9% ABV, which, okay, there you go. But it's malt beverage with natural and artificial flavors. So whenever I see malt beverage, it's like, okay, that's 
It's not going to be great. But it does say sweet perfection. Drink something worth remembering and take a sip remembering. of... Remembering. Uh, yeah, they spelled it wrong. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> no, I, I mispronounced it. Um, and then take a sip of one of life's simple pleasures. So I did think it was sweet, but I also thought it was extremely bitter. And the sweetness does not stick around long enough to cover up the bitter aftertaste. It's probably coming from the malt alcohol, but the bitterness just doesn't go away. All right. It's come down to this. Our final taste of the evening. We're going to be trying the Old Smoky Root Beer Flavored Whiskey. Samples have been poured. Ole Smokey. Down the hatch, gang. Now, before anyone says anything, I'm going to predict a common denominator. Alcohol. Notes. For an alcohol, it's going to rate pretty hmm. silky on my silkiness scale. Hmm. Humans are to be calibrated and not make facial expressions. <laughs> oh, I'm making a lot of facial expressions over here. Yep. <laughs> this is really throwing me off here. Man, if you were a real taste tester like I was. Well, I haven't graduated yet. So. How do you guys do whiskey tasting? Hmm. <sighs> we are not allowed to taste any alcohol, unfortunately, but our work is our easy. instructor yeah, that's not work. wants would love to use like whiskey or wine to uh, show like balance and fullness because you can really see the complexity and how the flavors work together in alcohols, but we're not allowed to officially taste any of those. Okay. Wow. Are our results in? Yeah, for sure. All right, I'm going to kick this off here. I thought the balance... What was your everyman scale? Oh, sorry. Yes, of course. Uh, bad. I don't like whiskey. So okay. balance, I gave this a, a six. This was actually my highest balance because I felt like there wasn't anything that really jumped out over the others. Fullness, I gave this a four pretty much right down the middle. Wintergreen, vanilla. I tasted those a little bit more than other flavors, so I gave those fives. Emily's changing her answers. <laughs> Emily, you're allowed to go back and change your answers as you are tasting the product. All right. Well, we're going to give your score an asterisk <sighs> in the I've record. I've changing box. all of my scores. I'm not done tasting yet. Uh, black licorice. I didn't get this one quite as much, so I gave it a three. And then I actually didn't purchase this, so I don't know how much it costs. So I gave an N.A. for other. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> I, I have gave, no idea if this is a good value. I gave this one an OK mm -hmm. oh. for flavored whiskey. It's. It's root beer whiskey. I mean, it's not even hard to drink by itself, so... Yeah. That's okay. For balance, I gave it a three. I thought it was very much whiskey flavor and root beer flavor. And they any sort of blending that they did wasn't really present to me. For fullness, I gave it a two. I really don't think it was overly complex. It pretty much tasted like... Here's a hint of whiskey. Here's a hint of chemical root beer, which didn't feel mm -hmm. to me like it had mm -hmm. the complexity of a regular root beer. Uh, the wintergreen, I gave it a one. I almost didn't taste it at all. It was pretty... Again, I think you get the burn of the whiskey, 
and that kind of masks any sort of wintergreen, like minty sting that you might get. Mm-hmm. The vanilla I gave it to, I actually for the first time thought that was stronger than the wintergreen in this. And the black licorice I gave it three. I think that was like the essence of root beer they tried to use to make this taste like root beer. I think that that was like the the guiding light was the black licorice, I felt like. And even still, because of the strength of the whiskey, it was a light flavor in the drink. Uh, for the silkiness, this is smooth for a whiskey. That is very it's true. very smooth going mm-hmm. down. I wouldn't say compare, like since we're doing all of these as a comparison to each other, I would never say this was smooth like the others were smooth or silky in that way. But I gave it a two just because it wasn't harsh. I feel like for a one, I would give something like something actually harsh. Yeah, I think if you had this on a panel against other whiskeys, that silkiness maybe would go up. Oh, yeah. yeah but I think so. yeah, just in against what we're tasting tonight, I think this might be a, yeah, a little lower. I think those are fair scores. Rex, I, how, where did you get this? Or unless did you have a, a comment on his scores? Um, a very similar. Every man scale. I give it a good. I'll come back to that with the other twos across the board, uh, <laughs> except for in the other category, simply because this is a good root beer whiskey. You know, the brand just Ole Smoke really goes above and beyond making their flavored whiskeys, I would say. And I feel like there's too much Smirnoff's flavored vodkas. There are too many uh, Svedka flavored vodka. Someone uh, needed to make one for whiskeys so that whiskey drinkers can can make a a weird mixed drink so they don't have to use vodka for weird things. No one else has got root beer whiskey out there that I know of, I guess. Yes, that wasn't reflected in my scores, but I do want to give credit where credit's due. Like, mm-hmm. they make a pretty passable, you know, easy drinking sweet whiskey. Like, a, a root beer whiskey. It does the job. It is not bad. Well, I, think, I mean, yeah, I, I did rate it bad because it. I don't like whiskey. Right. But if I liked it or if I could tolerate whiskey a little bit more, like, yeah, you could drink this straight. Yeah. Yeah, easy. I, I think mm-hmm. that's, that's the defining thing for me is that it's a whiskey that... And not a whiskey that, like, is a good whiskey that you would maybe yep. want to drink 100%. straight. But this is a low-quality whiskey, but that you could drink straight because of the flavor that it has. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm very excited to hear what Emily has to say <laughs> about this. All right. First off, for the everyman scale, I, as a consumer, thought this was good for a whiskey. Mm. I don't like whiskey, so this was tolerable for me. The super so, taster over here. Given it a good. For balance, I gave this a four because I thought there was a very distinct whiskey and then the root beer component and they weren't like meshed together super well, but hard to mesh that together with whiskey. So I gave that a four. For fullness, I gave this actually a seven uh, because there are the root beer notes that I could pick apart and then there's just a whiskey entity that I know there's a lot going on but I don't know enough about whiskey to like identify different flavors in it but I couldn't really identify much beyond just whiskey and I know there's more going on there it'd be about as full as you mixing a root beer and uh, old crow (laughs) (laughs) well and see I don't know I don't know whiskeys so 
uh, my scale could be off there for sure. I think that's the name of it, Steve. Full crow. For uh, wintergreen, I gave it a four. And here, I think it's important to note, I was able to pick out some of these flavors, but they came very late. Like first, the initial, you get the like punch in the mouth of this is whiskey. And then right after I had that initial taste, then I could get the wintergreen and the vanilla and the black licorice, but it was definitely whiskey forward. So I gave wintergreen a four, vanilla a three, black licorice a three, and then my other category this time, predominant flavor was just whiskey. So I gave that a seven because it's like overpowering whiskey flavor. You and I rated very close. Just saying. I think we were all pretty close. (laughs) Nobody really took any fives on that one. Not really. I had a couple in there, but yeah. Well, there you have it, folks. An extremely scientific breakdown of five different (laughs) root beers and root beer adjacent products. Emily, thanks for helping out today. Brooks, thanks for lending an equally creative and intensive scale. Yep, absolutely. I mean, I really was the expert here. And yeah, thank you again to Emily for assisting. Uh, <laughs> solid number two when it comes to uh, the... <laughs> I, don't, I don't have anything else. All right, well, on that note, let's move into some listener questions. We have some that are, are based on TTRPG stuff. We have some that are based on food and tasting and that kind of fun stuff. So first of all, this one comes from 10 Gnome slash Eric. I think this is pretty much directed at Brooks. He knew Brooks was going to be on the program tonight. How do you make coffee? Seriously, I don't know. Okay. Um, and I, I imagine this is just like, what is the preferred method at home? What do you got? Hmm. How, sh- how should Eric make well, coffee? Well, I'm going to make it uh, a little bit more complex, I guess. How is coffee made? Or how do I make coffee? I mean, I don't know if he wants to tell you like run hot water over ground beans. Okay. Uh, well, anyways, I guess I'll just explain how I I think I interpreted the question. Coffee uh, grows in multiple different areas, typically very very dry climates, and grows on trees. And the elevation and water content, I guess, or like. Uh, how the climate is plays a big factor into that. So the coffee beans are then harvested off the trees. And so I guess to explain what a coffee fruit looks like is, is kind of like a two pitted cherry. And, and so then you have to to take out those seeds and you can do it a couple of different ways. Uh, washing a natural method. And uh, there's kind of a hybrid between those two with honey processing. Anyways, the main goal of that being taking the fruit off and uh, just getting the seeds, which are the actual coffee beans. From there, there's a little bit of fermentation and then roasting to a few different levels, uh, depending on how whoever that roastery wants to do it. And then from there, it is grinding. So at home, we use a Chemex method, so so we've got a medium grind, and it's with our ratio eight machine. So it's an automatic Chemex machine, and uh, so 
That is how I get my coffee in the morning. Grind it at home with a nice grinder. It's very uniform. That's probably the most important part. So you say that the, the grind of the beans is probably the most important part of the coffee making process at home. 100%. Uh, you want to get those particle sizes extremely uniform. That way, the amount of, of water that can get into all of the pores of the, the beans themselves uh, are uniform, and they let off uniform amounts of flavor based on that. And so that way, it is a single flavor profile rather than um, an inconsistent grind size that would have very, very small particles that would over-roast, or or I guess over-develop the flavors and turn it more burnt type of flavors, and too large of grind size would get you a pretty watered-down flavor. And so with that, definitely, definitely, uh, grind size is your most important factor on however you make coffee. Hell yeah, gotta get the right balance and fullness. Oh yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. All right, this next question is for Emily. This comes from Sir Newt. Emily, what's your favorite part of sensory training? Well, we did convince the instructors several times that we needed to profile cheesecake. So that was a lot of fun. I think we, we did that twice and we're comparing multiple cheesecakes each time. So I really enjoyed those days. But on a deeper level, overall, the training has helped give me a deeper appreciation for food uh, because now I have a better vocabulary to express my liking and disliking of food and picking out what I like or don't like in the product. So it's just more fun to eat foods that I enjoy now. That rocks. How has it impacted your cooking skills? This is a follow-up question definitely made me more intentional and in tune with the flavors that I'm trying to bring out in food that I'm making. And I do buy more name brand products now because I can taste the difference. And this is something that Brooks has been telling me for years. And now I have finally learned. I have no comment on the uh, (laughs) how well she's been cooking question. That's probably a good idea. Our next question, we're going to jump down. This one's from Alex slash Razmir and Cleric. I'm curious as to what you guys like to cook. Not so much what your favorite food is, but when you have to make dinner, what is your go-to dish? I'm going to kick it over to Griffin for a second. Yeah, it's very clearly smoked meat in any form. (laughs) Yeah. It's just get to drink while you're doing it. It's an eight-hour process. Uh, It tastes really good. You can usually feed a ton of people with it. Sure. That's my answer. For me, my go-to is basically because I, I live by myself. I like to meal prep at the beginning of the week. I've got a big-ass wok, and I can just throw all sorts of stuff in there to make, like, five meals for the rest of the week. Yeah, I eat the same thing for dinner most nights of the week, but it's pretty good at making what I make. It's stir-fry type of stuff, so chop up lots of the vegetables chop up chicken, throw it in there, make couscous on the side, throw in a sauce. I like a lot of Indian sauces, mix it all together, and then you've got food for a long time. About a week. About a week. Brooks, how about you? (laughs) My go-to, you know, I haven't been able to do this in a minute, but I I really like making homemade pizza. Oh. Um, I guess with the asterisks of I'm not a huge fan of making the dough, so I'll 
buy a pre-made dough, but that, uh, I would say I, I'm uh, probably my, my go-to if I have to make food and, and to have it, everything prepped. Another is uh, tacos. Tacos are, are just fun. I enjoy a lot of hot sauces, and so with that, I sincerely enjoy uh, that part of, of tacos as well. So I get to get to enjoy a couple of things at the same time. Hell yeah. How about you, Emily? Uh, I don't know if I have a go-to dish for cooking. I feel like I do make a lot of, especially this time of the year, chili or Good chicken point. mac and cheese. Mm-hmm. Where you mm-hmm. can just kind of like mix it up with what you put in it to make it a little bit different. Um, you can make enough that it lasts for a few meals. But I don't know if I have anything that's like my signature dish. Sure thing, sure thing. We got a, a few more questions here. We're just going to bounce around a little bit. Sir Newt's asking, what would the neutral interlude PC's favorite snack foods be? Ikmer. Ikmer. Ah, oh, man. Pizza a bites. Pub mix. <laughs> <laughs> Pizza bites or uh, bagel bites. Uh, um, yep. I would say for Durin that after leaving the military, um, he probably didn't have a lot of snack foods during them and probably found something along the way, but he's a man of order and organization. So he probably, like me, he probably found one thing that he likes and sticks to it. Trail rations, like actual trail <laughs> rations. Sure, yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, hard pack. Probably wasn't messy. My, yeah, my, uh, my answer is hard pack. <laughs> uh, Emily, what's, what's Lyra eating? Uh, I would say for snack food, she'd probably like the dried seafood seaweed where it's like the like the little Aww. salty chip like, oh sure kale yeah, f- like kind of like yeah fried kale mm-hmm. similar texture griffin i know you don't have a pc in the neutral interlude but if you want an answer for godfrey i'll or- answer for tulia Haley's oh, not here. perfect yeah. oh perfect Let's see what would tulia like i mean tulia spent over 50 years in abaddon <laughs> oh so yeah i gotta, I gotta mm. think she found some kind of souls <laughs> well, no, because they they have pens of mortals there, so they have to feed them something. Ah, that's tough. What would demons make? Uh, just like oatmeal, unflavored. I think, I think it's like it's something like hot takis, like something, okay. something oh, that's sure. like even more hot than that. Probably mm. something that like hurts to eat, and she just mm, nice. from from eating something that spicy all the time is like, Ooh. all right, that's what I like as a snack now. Yeah, real big summer blowout type of situation. Spicy. Eventually your bowels get used to it. Eventually. <laughs> All right. Uh, we got another neutral interlude question here from 10 Lawn Gnomes. Eric, this one is for Brooks and Emily. Oh, boy. What's it like having your old characters back? Let's start with Emily. I think it's a lot of fun to have them back interacting with each other and also with new characters so we get to kind of see them grow and develop especially with Ikmer seeing him take over this leadership role I think it's fun to kind of see where they are and where they're going you did have a follow up here did you have anything difficult or exciting during your level ups to get you to level 11 I don't know if you're ready with that one if you have a character sheet or if there's anything to just pops on the top of your head 
I guess in general, I think I have talked a little bit about how I leveled up Lyra previously, but I did have fun leveling her up because one, I never thought I was going to get the chance. Um, but two, I picked a lot of story reasons for uh, what I chose for her levels and um, the different spells and abilities that I picked for her. So it was really fun leveling her up, thinking about the experience she went through um, with dying and coming back and how that forever changed her going forward, even if it wasn't the most optimal build. Mm -hmm. um, it definitely had uh, story reasons for her to develop that way. Sure thing. Same questions to you, Brooke. So first of all, what's it like having your old character back? Oh, I really enjoy being able to pick or play uh, Ikmer again. I uh, enjoy being able to, I guess, see exactly what Emily is saying. Being able to, to grow up a bit is fun to be able to do in these type of situations, I, I guess. You never quite know if you're going to be able to do that again. And I was able to leave on a high note. And with this, I think it's like return to glory days type of situation. If that kind of even makes sense. I think so. Follow up question. Anything difficult or exciting during your level? Uh, man, I believe that was uh, fortification. That one was great. So just naturally through uh, the archetype level up the shield bonus going up again was a lot of fun I think I've progressed quite well in the uh, AC category so uh, <laughs> that is uh, gonna take a bit of a of a backseat to uh, being able to hit now it becomes ever more important being that frontliner to uh, hold the line and and be able to to do double duty in in terms of uh, damage output as well so that's how i based the level up wise and how i justified how the uh feats to take from 7 to 11. griffin what are your thoughts on nickmer's ac it's pretty high i mean i don't think you've met a thing yet that you fought that couldn't do something to his touch so mm -hmm. why do you think that well, is the <laughs> yep. Touch AC is a different story. Absolutely. Well, you know, you gotta, even as you're bringing monsters out there, you gotta, can't really be a one trick pony anymore now that you guys are level 11. So, while a lot of things that you fought are seriously hampered by not being able to hit a 40 AC, they usually have some sort of workaround to at least do something. And Force them to roll a save. Yeah, and it's just, it's hard for any, like, CR 11 plus creature to not have some sort of intelligence. Mm -hmm. Whereas you find that a lot earlier on. Stuff isn't super smart, so it's also hard for me to play something that would sit there and waste three of its rounds just wailing on Ikmer when it realizes in the first round it attacked him five times and couldn't hit him. Mm-hmm. So... Same with it, yeah, the special abilities, that yeah. circumference, that type of stuff. Uh, yeah. So I'd say we're that. managing. We're managing. <laughs> we're managing. <laughs> AC around. All right, and I have one final question for the night. This is uh, this is going to be some DTRPG advice. They're they're soliciting some uh, some advice from you, Griffin. This comes from a user on our Discord, C Finn, 
Griffin, I am preparing a pretty lengthy monologue covering some of the NPCs in the campaign I'm running and what they're doing at a particular moment in the game. Any preparation tips? Yeah, definitely. I think monologues are a part of what GMs have to do a lot of the times. This one doesn't sound like it's a villain giving a monologue, but it's a kind of story description, I think is what this question is referring to. So something more along the lines of maybe an episode 100 for us, where there's a lot of exposition and things happening in the background that you have to discuss to visualize it to your players. My latest advice on this is different than my original advice on this. Originally, I would say uh, come up with your idea of this and write it all down and practice it so you can deliver it. And that works. I just don't think it works as well in TTRPG as having bullet points that you want to hit and being able to work through your bullet points in a more natural feeling way. I think that gives your players a lot more of a chance to interject. And you know, at any table, they will. And if you're ready with a script, that's going to throw you off. And if, you know, if you're thinking of bullet points, you're going to be able to deliver that whether or not you get 10 questions from your group or whether or not somebody wants to interject with a joke, it's, it's going to throw you off a lot less. In terms of describing things, I think you have to look at your plot as a whole. Uh, you really want your world to feel like it's alive, and so you need to think about these background descriptors that you're using and how they're going to be revealing of things that are going on, as well as kind of guideposts, because this is a big monologue. Your party's going to remember it. They're going to remember the details of it. They're probably going to take notes on it, so make sure that the things that you choose to include here are relevant or will be relevant and will be something that maybe your players can have an aha moment about. Um, I would say if you're describing scenes, describing areas or combats or that kind of thing, it works a lot better to have a picture, to find a picture, Google a picture. There's plenty of fantasy art out there. There's plenty of real world battle scenes that you can draw from that when you bring these descriptive words in, a picture will make you much better at describing something similar to it. If you're looking at a castle and you find a picture and you're like, that's what I want this to look like, describe the picture. Don't write what the castle looks like. Describe the picture to your players. And I think that's a much better way to convey this medium than just <laughs> writing it down for yourself in a way that makes sense and echoing it. I think you certainly could write that down, but it's it's a process that I think is conducive to uh, doing in a group setting, whereas you describe something, you're describing something particular, but you're trying to paint that same image in everybody's head. So I don't, I don't think that's something you really need to prepare ahead of time. And get good at winging it. I think for scenes like this, you're going to think of something really cool that you should have described that you didn't include. And if you have the ability to wing it and describe that in a cool way off the cuff, you're going to be way better at making your scenes dynamic than if you kind of don't have, if you, if you don't allow yourself those kind of brain blasts, I guess, if you don't allow yourself the, 
oh, I'm, I'm picturing this in my head too as I'm describing it, and wouldn't this be cool? The ability to rattle off that cool thing that you just thought of is really helpful for big scenes like this. But uh, yeah, I hope that helps. Don't over-prepare. I don't think that helps as much as uh, developing some of the, those skills that I talked about. I absolutely agree from my experience, not necessarily GMing experience, but public speaking or presenting at work or in business school or whatever. Um, I definitely also stuck to the bullet point script. But what I did was practiced what I wanted to present over and over and over again. Not that I was trying to memorize anything, but I was actually trying to fuck up. Because like if I'm ha- if I notice that I'm having problems transitioning from one point to the next or there's a, a pattern of four or five words that I like to say that are, are difficult to get through. I like experiencing the screw up because then I can practice that again and then find ways to get past it. Um, it. It's very helpful for me to understand where my failure points can be and then uh, understand how to transition through them. I'm certainly not trying to memorize anything, but it's just you are going to screw up. And if you know where you could or whatever, working that out has been very helpful. And also it's a game table. So don't fret about screwing up as you're talking through something. It's not a presentation to the CEO of something. It's a scene you're trying to paint with your friends. So take a a line over or whatever your table's going to understand. Yeah, I, I think that's very, very important to like, if if like your players give you a hard time for mangling a word or needing a moment to collect your thoughts, like fuck them. Well, or you're just really good friends and like the yeah. other shit. Yeah. <laughs> All right, and on that note, I think that about wraps it up for tonight. So once again, Brooks, Emily, thank you so much for coming out. I had a really good time doing this. Thanks for all the preparation you did beforehand. Oh, yeah, thank you. I put a lot of really hard work into this. Um, my training has really paid off, clearly. No, today, today was great. Thank you for having having me. Um, it all, this is also a great day because uh, Ohio State lost. I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm, I'm quite excited. I'm quite excited. They, you know, trying to trademark the word the. Come on. The final jab. He got one in <laughs> the there. Final jab. He got a final jab in. Thanks for having me on today. I had a blast uh, getting to taste all of these lovely root beers and getting to share what I've learned in my sensory training because the training itself is a lot of fun and I'm happy to be able to share it with others. Great. Well, this has been a good time. Griffin, anything you want to say to the folks at home before we sign off? Nope. Just finish your drinks. We'll see you in two weeks. Later.